This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Chuck Ford and Relate Church in Byron, Mississippi. For more information, please visit RelateChurch.com. Welcome to two weeks before Easter, right? Two weeks before Celebration Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, and we're excited about that and excited about what God is going to do. Amen. And so we're, we've been in a series that we're calling World Changer. And, um, you know, whether you signed up for it or not, when you, when you decided to follow Jesus, when, when you and I decided to put our faith in Christ and follow him, we signed up to be one of his world changers. And, you know, he really he doesn't have a plan B. He said, oh, he shouldn't have picked me. I'm sure, that, you know, those first disciples thought the same thing. The word says that, that they were referred to as unlearned fishermen. And so you wouldn't, they, they wouldn't have been on the professional spectrum of life, right? But God chose them. That's not all he chose. I mean, we know that, you know, Luke was chosen. I mean, he chose some who were in the professional spectrum. But look, no one is, uh, the only way you can be disqualified from being a world changer is you just simply don't step up. If you and I step up, God said, I'm going to put my power on you. I will anoint you. I will equip you to be one of my world changers. And so today we're going to continue this series, and this may be the last, the last week of this. I'm not sure yet, but we're going to continue this. Now, if you, uh, if you got a, a worship guide and you came in, there's some message notes in there. We just encourage you to, to you know, follow along with us, track along with us. We have binders out there that you can get, no charge to you. You've already paid for them. And so you can go out there and pick one up and collect your notes in it. Amen? Amen. So I want to pray, and then I want us to get into this. And I'm excited about this message today, and, and, uh, I'm, and, and I'm more excited about you and I doing this message. Yes. And not just excited about preaching it, but excited about being a doer of it. How many of you know that it's only the doers of the Word that get blessed? It's, yes. it's not the hearers, no matter how... I mean, no, how, no matter how much you applaud it, no matter how, how much, oh, that was so awesome, that was so great, You're not, that's not being blessed, right? Only the doers get blessed. Only the doers, only those who take the word that they hear and they put it into practice. You know, Jesus said, I'm going to show you a man who, you know, he, he, he built his house up on a rock. He said, and, and he's the man who, who hears the words and he does the words. But the person who just hears but doesn't do is like a man who builds his house upon the sand. So it's, it's amazing to me that the same storm comes, but the person who built their house upon the rock, their house stood. The person who didn't build their house upon the rock, their house didn't stand. And so if we want our life to stand, if we want to be successful in life, we have to be doers of the word, not doers of your ideas, not doers of man's ideas, not doers of man's thoughts. We must be doers of God's words, God's thoughts, God's ideas, God's plans. And when we are doers of his things, when we put his things first, then we will be successful in in life. Amen. And so let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask that you would open our hearts, open our ears, that, that we may hear and we may perceive and understand everything that you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I, I want to, I, I the, the, the title message for today, if you don't have notes and you don't see it on your notes, is how will you spend the rest of your life? 
How will you spend the rest of your life? You know, we spend more than money, right? Uh, we, in life, we spend more than just money. We spend our time, we spend our energy, we spend our influence, and we spend our money. And so when it comes to life, life is not just about one thing. Life is about numerous things. And Jesus asked a question one time. He said, what will a man give in exchange for his life? In other words, what, what, will you, what is it that you're willing to give up in exchange for your life in order for your life to be successful, in order for you to be fulfilled in life, what are you willing to give up? What are you willing to exchange for that? And so we're, the, the title of the message is, How Will You Spend the Rest of Your Life? Here's a very revealing, revealing thought. I don't know if you've thought about this. I don't think we think about this enough. But here's a very, very revealing thought, and it's this. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. So here, here's how powerful this is. Because you realize that today is the first day of the rest of your life, you can choose how you will spend the rest of your life. You can make a choice on how you spend the rest of your life. Knowing that today is the first day of the rest of your life, you can make a choice on how you spend the rest of your life. How many of you know, like the way that sounds? That, that, that you're in control. So, oh, no, no, God's in control. No, no, God's not in control. You're in control, right? You get to choose. You get to decide. God's not going to decide for you. He's already said, I set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. You choose. God's not going to choose for you. You got to choose. So you have to choose how you will spend the rest of your life. You get to decide how you spend the rest of your life. In 1943, a, a renowned psychologist, a sociologist, his name was Abraham Maslow. He, he, he printed this paper, he published a paper, it's called The Theory of Human Motivation. The Theory of Human Motivation. And in this paper, he, he, he really went into detail on some basic human needs that are really motivators in our life. And so he identified, at first he identified five basic human needs and then he went on in, in, in years prior after that, he, he expanded it to seven basic human needs. And he said these, these, human, these human needs are, are inherent in, in each person on the earth. And it takes all seven of these to be satisfied for us to feel like that we have lived a successful, productive, whole life. So if any one of the seven are missing or they're not met, then we'll feel like that we didn't live a successful, productive life. And his whole idea was this, is that these basic human needs, like, you know, for one, is, you know, it's just physical. You know, you need food and water. Now, there's people who are starving who've gone to, I mean, that, that hunger was such a motivator that they actually committed crimes just to satisfy that hunger. Right? And so hunger is a, is a motivator in our life. Thirst is a motivator in our life. And so he, he also identified among these seven, he said that an, another need that every single person has is this need for purpose or meaning in life. He said this, was a, this is a strong motivator in a person's life. They, they had to have this sense of purpose 
and meaning, and then coupled with that, or, you know, and another one was this, that a person had to have this transcendence in life. In other words, their life and what they did was bigger than them, and it outlasts them. It was bigger than them and outlasts them. You see, nobody wants to do life alone. Nobody just wants, they, they want, we all, there, there's this need in us for our contribution, what we do to be bigger than ourselves. It's to be, it's to be coupled with someone else, with another group of people, because if we can do a lot more together than we can do apart. And that's just how God designed it. And then it, with that, this transcendence that, that we want our, we, you know, whatever it is that we do in our life, we want it to be bigger than us, and we want it to outlast us. I don't know about you, but I don't want just, you know, when my life stops, I don't want my life to stop. Right? You can call it legacy if you want to, but when, when it's over, I don't want it to be over. I, I want to have left an impression. We talked about this last week. I want to have left something on the earth, but I want it to be bigger than me, and I want it to outlast me. Amen. And so God put these, these desires, these motivators in each of our hearts. And how many of you realize there's many distractions in the world, right? And so there's things that will pull us away from them. I mean, people are distracted by, I mean, by earthly pursuits, temporary, you know, just satisfaction. And I'm, I'm reminded of Moses. He chose, you know, uh, you, you know uh, he chose to forsake the pleasure of sin that would only last for a season so that he could really walk in the plan and the purpose of God. If you're going to walk in the plan and the purpose of God, you'll have to say no to some things. You'll have to say no to some good things. Are you listening to me? And I'm not just talking about sinful things. I'm talking about you'll have to say, you'll have to say no to something good so that you can pursue something greater. And, and Moses prayed in Psalm 20. He prayed in Psalm 20. He said, Lord, teach us to number our days so we can live wisely. Have, have you prayed that? Lord, teach me to number my days. A lot of us live like we have an infinite number of days. And we'll get around to it at some point. So we pray, Lord, teach us to number our days so that we live wisely. Paul admonishes us to redeem the time. Redeem the time. James reminds us that our time on earth is relatively short. In the context of all eternity, that our time, our time is relatively short, right? He said, your, your life is, is like a vapor. It appears for a, what? A little time, and then what? It vanishes away. It vanishes away. So we're, we're admonished in the word that, you know, we don't have an infinite number of days, that we need to number our days, that we need to redeem the time, and that we need to realize that our life is but a vapor. And so here's the deal. If we're, we, and we've talked about rewards, and, but here's the deal. We, we must, we must 
live every day. We, I mean, beginning today, we must, we must act like, you know, bank on the fact that today is the first day of the rest of our life. So how will we spend our life? How will you spend the rest of your life? Someone said this, I'm not sure who it was, but they said, our greatest fear should not be a failure, but of succeeding at something that doesn't really matter. Yeah. Our greatest fear shouldn't be a failure, but it's succeeding at something that really doesn't matter. Oh, we, we see this in the world today. The pursuit of riches. There's nothing wrong with being rich. But the pursuit of riches at the expense of everything else, of family, of reputation, of dignity. And so we see this. Uh, but, but people, you know, I mean, think about this. If you succeed at something that really doesn't matter, have you really succeeded at all? I've used this example before. You know, some people, they're, they're busy climbing the corporate ladder. And they get to the top, and they realize the ladder is against the wrong wall. <laughs> and we see, this, we see this happening. I mean, people who, who make millions and millions of dollars of a, year, a year, there's still the emptiness on the side of them because they're not doing things, they're, they're not pursuing things that really matter. In the long run, you say, what's the long run? Is it a few years? No, the long run is eternity. Most people only live for now. They only live for this dispensation. They only live for, you know, the, this temporal. And they think that this temporal, that this natural, that this earthly life is all that there is. And when it's done, it's done. But my friend, it's more to it than that. Life doesn't end. Right? There is eternity. So, and what we do now I like what my friend Joe Morris says. He says, you're writing your resume right now for the time to come. You're writing your resume. You're filling out your resume of what you're going to be doing in the millennial reign of Christ. You're writing your resume. And so if, if we know that we're writing our resume for the time to come, I mean, don't you think we ought to be doing things, pursuing things that really matter? Now, I'm not saying, hey, everybody needs, to, everybody needs to go to the mission field. I'm not saying that you ought to be a full-time preacher. But I am saying this, that each of us can do, we can make a choice today. I mean, today, that this is the first day of the rest of our life, we can make a choice that from now on, I'm going to spend my life doing that which really matters. Really matters. So, uh, here, here's, here's what I would hope for, for all of us. We're going to spend our life doing that which really matters. I hope that we would spend, you can write this in your notes, I hope that we would spend our whole life for the rest of our whole life in God's mission. Because how many of you know that's going to last forever and that really matters? It would be my desire that we would spend our whole life for the rest of our whole life in God's mission. And again, that doesn't mean that you have to be that doesn't mean that you have to be a missionary to Timbuktu. 
It doesn't mean that you have to be, uh, it doesn't mean that you have to be a full-time preacher. But it does mean that you live every day spending your life in the mission of God. So what is the mission of God? What is it that God is thinking about? What is it that, that he is absorbed in? What is it that he's looking at? What is, what is it that he, he considers precious, that he considers valuable, that he considers worthy of our attention? Jesus said it like this in Matthew 16, 18. He said, I will build my church. Everybody say, I'll build my church. This is not my church. This is not somebody else's church. Jesus said, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I tell you what, the church. Now, you know, people say, well, he's, he's talking about the big C church. I, I did a study of this and the local church, the little C church, is emphasized equally in the New Testament to the big C church. God is so wise that he, he chose to take the big C church and break it down into local churches. Amen. People say, well, I'm against, you know, I'm, I'm just not all, I'm, I'm against organized religion. Well, a lot of people are against organi organization, period. It shows in their closet, in their car, in their finances, in their relationships, in their marriage. They're just, they're just, they're just pro-disorganized. Are you listening? But God is the one who birthed the local church. He is the one who saw fit to take this big church and break it down into local expressions. He did. And the local church, y'all listen to me, the local church is the hope of the world. That is not just cliche. That's not just a cutesy saying. That is the absolute truth that the local church is the hope of the world. And it is that because God designed it to be that. He designed the local church be, and, and we're going to use this in a positive way, but that those who have turned the world upside down have come here also. Amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, this is the message uh, paraphrase, says, through, through followers of Jesus like yourselves gathered in churches, gathered in churches, this extraordinary plan of God is becoming known and talked about even among the angels. You know what the angels are talking about? We know that they're worshiping God, but they're looking out and they're seeing these, they're seeing Relate Church and they're seeing other churches and they're talking about it, man, and they're cheering us on. And that, that great cloud of witnesses in heaven is cheering us on. Not individuals, they're cheering a church. Yeah. The church on. So the local church is the hope of the world. So how do we spend, if we're going to spend our whole life for the rest of our life in the mission of God, how is it that we spend the rest of our lives in God's mission? Number one, each of us must participate in the success of the local church. We have, we have to develop a heart for the house. 
a heart for the house. We have to participate in the success of the local church. We have to be champions of the local church. I see people, they, they, they criticize the local church. And let me just say, I know this, that there is not a local church anywhere that is perfect. And if there is one, don't go there, because if you go there, you're going to mess it all up. Right? And so there's not a, there is not a perfect local church, but yet God uses us. So we must participate in the success of the local church. We have to be champions of the local church. We have to be loyal to the local church. I mean, we have to get behind it. And if it's not Relate Church, you need to find one that you can get behind. And I said one with emphasis. You need a local church that you're loyal to, that you're invested in. Amen. Not two or three. One. So every local church, and this, this would help you decide if you, if you, you know, if, if this is one you'd want to be a part of. Every local church should do four things. I, I don't care, I don't care the denomination, I don't care. Every local church should do four things. Number one, they should uh, get lost people saved. Lost people need to be getting saved. Y'all don't fill in notes because I'm not at note time right now. They ought to get saved people pastored. Pastored people need to get trained. And trained people need to be mobilized for ministry. Every church ought to do those four things. Now, the way every church does those four things, it, it, could, look, it could look different. It could look different, but every church ought to do those four things. And so we've been, we've been doing these four things for a while. And... Just saw immediate success. We start people saved, people trained, people pastored, people getting their issues taken care of. A lot of us still have issues that need to be getting taken care of. So if we stay hooked up with the local church, those issues get taken care of. Right? And train people, mobilize. And we've, we've said it a number of different ways over a number of different years just to explain it. I mean, we used to say it like this. We need to reach, connect, grow, equip. Same, same thing. Reach, connect, grow, equip. Same thing. We, we used to say it like this. We, we said, uh, we're all about evangelism, community, discipleship, and ministry. Same thing. <laughs> I don't really like those words. It, can't, it sounds religious, but uh, we used to say, like, uh, we, we used to say, proclaim him, proclaim him, warn, <laughs> that's, that's a good one, warn, teach, and I think ministry, we used to say it like that. Um, I, I, did a, I did a survey because we, we've been tinkering with how we say it because, you know, it really doesn't matter as a staff, it really doesn't matter what we think. And it really doesn't matter what's written on the wall. What matters is what's going on down the hall. Right, is, is it getting done? Are we doing it? So I did a... I kind of did an impromptu survey, and, you know, Facebook is awesome because you can, you can reach out to a, a number of people. I think I've got 
several thousand friends on Facebook, I know about a hundred. <laughs> right, <laughs> but several, several thousand. And so uh, I, ju- I just I asked people who didn't go to this church and just by looking at what they put on Facebook, not really sure that they're saved. <laughs> and so I, I put out these, these like four groups of sayings, four groups of sayings. And, and I told them, you know, this is what we're wanting to accomplish. We, we want to get lost people saved and, and we want to get saved people pastored and we want to get pastored people trained and we want to get trained people you know mobilized to to for ministry and so this is i'm going to give you four groups of words of how we can communicate this and tell me which one is the clearest to you so this is this is what i had 20 people i sent it to 20 people 16 responded 12 of the 16 responded like this, and, and this is the group of sayings they like. He said, we, we want people to know God. How many of you know that's a, knowing God is important. Matter of fact, Jesus said this. He said, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everybody who says, hey, I believe in God is going to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus, you know, he, he said, I didn't know you. So you can, you can believe in God and not know him and him not know you. So we want people to know God, to have a genuine relationship with God. We, we want that. And so we've created a, a weekend service that both believers and unbelievers would enjoy. So we're not going. We're not going to get down and just start, you know, railing on sin. No, we want people to come in, and we want people to experience the love of God and begin a relationship with Christ. Yeah. And we do this because reaching lost people is a biblical mandate. Yeah. We we have been mandated, commissioned by Jesus Himself to reach the lost. And we do this because inviting lost people to a life-giving church is one of the most effective ways of evangelism. So here in a couple of weeks, guess what? You're going to have an opportunity. You and I are going to have an opportunity to invite an unchurched, a lost person to come with you on Easter Sunday. And we're going to only ask you to bring people about two times out of 52 weeks out of the year. We're going to say, hey, bring them on this time. Amen. Only two out of 52. All right. Uh, so know God, and then the next one is find freedom. Anybody in here got issues besides my wife? I mean, besides me, besides me. <laughs> any, any, anybody in here got issues besides me? I mean, you, there's things in your life that you're not free of. It could be habits, it could be thinking, it could be, it could be wounds from the past that you're not free. Any, anybody besides me? Okay, so we, we want people to find freedom. And so we've created a small group structure that people can be, build relationships to the point where, as James says, confess your faults one to another that you may be what? Healed. Not confess your faults to God, confess your faults to one another. 
Sometimes you've got to have that trusted friend that you can kind of get it out in the open and say, this is what I'm going through. This is what I'm dealing with. I've never told anybody this before, and I need to tell somebody, and then healing begins to take place. So through our small, we, we, we developed a small group structure where that can happen, not force, not force it, but where it can happen over time. And, we then, and then we have our freedom our freedom curriculum that we take people through two times a year is just powerful, powerful, power, powerful. It's just really, I mean, it's in him realities on steroids where you begin to see who you are in Christ and how you can live in freedom every day. So coming up in the fall session uh, next year, I hope, I, I hope some of you jump into that. Jump in that. So we want people to find freedom. Number three, we want people to discover purpose. This is so, this is so important because most people live and die and never know, even know why they were born. Somebody said the most important day of a person's life is the day that they were born and the day they find out why they were born. You need to know why. If you know why, then you can leave, live each day with intention. You can live each day with purpose. You can live each day in mission with God. Yeah. Amen. So discover purpose and then number four make a difference oh man this is this is so powerful because there's nobody on planet earth that wants to live their life and then their life not make a difference but we don't want to just make a difference we don't want to just make a temporary difference we want to make an eternal difference we want to do something that is bigger than us and that outlasts us and so we've created the dream team the dream team is not magic the dream team is just a it's just it's it's just a system that allows people to take the gifts that God's gifted them and begin to serve him and make a difference in other people's lives. And some people say, well, y'all, I'm gifted in this, but y'all don't, y'all don't do this. No, we want to be a church that looks like you. We don't want to be a church that looks like us. We want to be a church that looks like you. In other words, we, we want to recognize your gift, help you discover your gift, and then if we don't have something going that fits your gift, we're going to start something that will fit your gift. We want a church that looks like you, not like us. And so it just so happens that we, we, we have starting point today, and starting point is all about discovery. Yeah, you're going to find out how we do church, but it's all about discovery, how, how you locate your gift. And it's not, it's not rocket science, it's not perfect, but it at least kind of puts you in the region. You know, you know what I mean by that? It kind of it just put, puts you closer to what your giftings are. And then as you begin to serve God with the heart of a servant, God begins to steer you and navigate you into that sweet spot for your life. And God wants each of us operating in our sweet spot. I mean, where we're called. You know, I, I had dinner with somebody the other night, and, and you know, this person is a professional, and, and, and they're, they're on our... That they're one of our greeters, and they were just, oh, I just love greeting. I just love it. I love greeting, and I mean, just big smile on his face when he's talking about greeting. And man, it's just, it's awesome. You see, and because everybody has something to contribute, has something to give that makes not just a temporary difference, but makes an eternal difference. Amen. So we want people. To, discover, to, to make, make a difference. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 12, and this is about spending your life. Verse 15, he said, I'd be most happy to empty my pockets, even mortgage my life for your good. Man, what if we all had that attitude that, that my life is all about making a difference 
in someone else's life. That I, I'm willing to empty my pockets and even mortgage my life for someone else's good. Isn't that awesome? So we mobilize believers through dream team. So, so, so number one, how, how do we? How is it that we? Uh, how is it that we're going to participate in the success of the local church? Number one, we're going. Uh, we're we're going to find out. We're, in other words, we're going to participate, right? And then we're going to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. All right. And then, how else do we do it? And here, here, this is this is this is big. We're coming up on Easter. This is big. And I got a few minutes. I got two minutes and ten seconds. And and now this sounds cliche. You've heard this, but each one, reach one. You know that God is a God of multiplication. He loves to multiply. He's not just the God of addition. He is the God of what? Multiplication. Multiplication is so powerful. It's so powerful. So if if each of us, if each one reaches one. I mean, that, that is powerful. You know, the Lord has shown me how we could have 5,000 people here in just a few years. It, 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 I'm, really, it's easy. You say, how is it easy? Just each one, reach one each year. I, I mean, you, you think that 365 days, 52 weeks, 12 months? And just during that time, all you have to do is reach one person. I mean, don't you think that God is big enough, smart enough, wise enough, strategic enough that he can bring you across the path of one person in 365 days? That you can, you can be instrumental and influential in that person's life. And, and I mean, just kind of walk beside them and, and invite them to church. And, and when they come to church and they get saved, say, so you know what? You see, because we're talking about reaching people. I'm not just talking about getting people to church. I'm talking about discipleship. I'm talking about multiplying yourself. I'm talking about walking with somebody so they come to church and, and they get saved. And then you say, oh, you know what? Uh, next on the next for you, the next step for you, you need to get baptized. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to help you call your friends, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to be on the front road during baptism, and I'm going I'm to have your clothes ready for you, and I'm going to help you, you know. And then after that, you're going to go to starting point, and I'm going to go to starting point with you, and I'm going to sit in that class with you, and we're going to walk this thing, and I'm going to pray with you. I'm talking about reaching one. You see, reaching one is not, oh, I got them here, that's it, hands off. No, I'm talking about walking with somebody and then helping them reach somebody. This is the power of multiplication. This is the power of multiplication. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, he says, go and make disciples of all the nations. And I'm not going to go over that chart in your notes, but just look at it. Just look what can happen in just a few years. If just 100 people took this challenge, each one reach one, just, just, in just five years, notice what happens. If just 100 people do it. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Paul said, You've heard me teach these uh, things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You see, this is the power of multiplication. This is the way that it's supposed to be done. This is the, you see, so what are you talking about? I'm talking about that, that, that we spend our whole life for the rest of our whole life in God's mission. What is God's mission? Participate and make sure that his local church succeeds. 
Number two, be an evangelist. You say, I don't like that word. Okay, be a representative. You say, I, I don't like that. Okay, just be, just, just be one who reaches one. Be that. Be that person. And if we're that person, I'm going to believe God for it. I'm going to trust God that he's going to show me somebody that I can bring along. I'll, go, I'll, I'll turn this over. I'll go sit in starting point with somebody. Right? And, and, just, and just walk beside them. And this is how we spend our whole life for the rest of our whole life in God's mission. Real simple. And this is what, and, and this, will, this will satisfy you at a very deep level. When we're involved in participating in God's mission, it'll do something on a very deep level in your life and bring satisfaction in a very deep level. It'll satisfy you more than money. It'll satisfy you more than earthly accomplishment when God uses you to eternally make a difference in someone else's life. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we give you thanks and praise. We worship you. Lord, we thank you for the church that Jesus paid for with his life, that Jesus commissioned upon his resurrection. Thank you that we have the privilege, the priceless privilege of participating in this church where the gates of hell will not prevail and overcome it. And Lord, I thank you that our hearts are stirring. Our hearts are stirred, and you stir our hearts so that we'll have a, a heart for the house like never before. That we'll have such a, a heart to see the house, the local church, succeed. thank you for and father give us a heart for lost people give us a heart a bigger heart for lost people for lost people matter to you I thank you for it in Jesus name Lord I'm asking that over the next two weeks that you bring us across the path or you bring others across our path that need you that are far from you I ask you for divine appointments I thank you I ask you for for orchestrated appointments that could only be by your hand in Jesus name I thank you for it. Father, I pray if there's anyone in here who's, who doesn't know you, maybe they believe in you and maybe they're a church member, but they don't know you, they don't have a real relationship with you, I ask that you would speak to their hearts right now, draw them to yourself right now in Jesus' name. Every head bowed, bowed and every eye closed. If you're in here today and you've never, you've never received Jesus, you've never given your whole heart and your whole life to him, 
But you want to do that this morning, I'd like to pray for you. And I'm going to just have you lift your hand. You're, you don't have to come up here. You don't have to stand. We're not going to put a sticker on you. But you say, please pray for me. I, 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 want, a, I, I want a relationship with Christ. I want to count to three. When I do, just lift your hand real high. And we'll pray for you. Here we go. One, two, three, right now. Thank you. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand right here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Thank you so much. Looking across the room. Three or four people lifted their hand. All right, I'm going to look one more time from my left to my right. Thank you, sir. See your hand. Awesome. Good job. From my left to my right, I'm going to, I'm going to scan, the, scan the seats one more time. Thank you. I see your hand over here on my right. Thank you. I see your hand. Awesome. Good job. All right, let's do this. Why don't we all pray a prayer together, and, and especially those who lifted your hand, let's pray this prayer together just as sincerely as you know how from your heart. Just say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you raised him from the dead. Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart and completely change me. Make me brand new from this day forward. With your help, I'll live for you. I'll represent you. I'll be a world changer for you. Amen. Church, let's give these a real big hand, all right?